0: Welcome back to the Strength and Speed podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Joining me, I have another member of Strength and Speed and a guest, but first, my co-host of this episode is Gary Shaw. Gary, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. And if you're unfamiliar with Gary, we actually talked about him in the last episode. He once held the record for 24 beers, 24 miles in under 24 hours for about a week before it got beaten. Also a ultra runner, also the uh, race director of the Leaky Hourglass uh, Ultra Marathon, which is a last man standing event where the time keeps getting shorter, which we'll, we'll plug at the end for you there, Gary. Thanks. Before we get to our guests, so this episode is brought to you by ExoSkin. If you're not familiar with ExoSkin, they're compression garments, they make socks, compression shorts, they make compression shirts, compression leggings, and they also make uh, underwear. So XO underwear, which is one of their newer products. And uh, the our guest on today's episode is the reason we're ha- we have him as a guest is because of the Exoskin. So uh, nice connection made through there. And uh, he is one of the best ultra runners. I'm gonna say ever. Right. So huge accomplishments. I'm gonna <laughs> cover some of his career highlights, and then we will bring him on and introduce him. So joining us, I we have uh, John Kelly. So first to complete the Grand Round, the UK's three big three big three fell running records, biking between them. 2017 Berkeley Marathons winner, so the race that eats their young. Everyone, everyone's kind of familiar with that one. And becoming the 15th person to finish the race in 30 years. Uh, broke the 31-year-old record on the Pennine Way. Uh, uh, 2020 Spine winner, two-time Ironman age group champion. 2018 Boulder, 2018 Montremblant. 2018 ITU Long Course age group world champion. I mean, the, the list just goes on, and this is just like the, the very, very high, top highlights, right? A Guinness World Record for a fast Marathon dressed as a video game character at the 2016 Boston Marathon. And uh, this, is, this is probably my favorite record he has as his career highlights. It's Slowest Swim Ever in a Sub-9-Hour Marathon at the 2018 Ironman Arizona. So we have uh, John Kelly. So, John, welcome.
1: Yeah, th- thanks very much. And, and yeah, that, that's in a sub-9 Ironman. That's that's one of my prouder moments. I've, I've got that by a, a solid three minutes. Uh, I, I swam about a 117 in that race, and I think the next slowest ever is 114. So it's nice. a pretty sizable gap there I've got for that one. I'm uh, pr- pretty confident of hanging on to it for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, just a huge – I mean – i'm looking at your uh, your website randomforestrunner.com, and you look at the results page and it's just like you know list after list of just these like massive races these massive physical undertakings with uh with impressive accomplishments right so uh, just pretty pretty cool to see
1: thanks yeah it's 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 made some some fun adventures uh i i generally uh excel the the longer and the the more technical and the more miserable uh that things are in in general so uh, you know whether i'm i'm actually uh winning by by skill or just winning by attrition uh, i think that uh it it's tough to tell on that one
0: well you're in good company (laughs) Um, here
1: but but yeah it's it's been great to to hear
0: Yeah, I was gonna say you're in good company here because Gary is uh, also does ultra a lot of stuff that's really stupid, long, and painful, um, including like the drinking thing I mentioned earlier. And then I do ultra-distance obstacle course racing, so you know races that are five to twenty-four hours in length, with uh, since you're running plus obstacles, right? So monkey bars and all sorts of sorts of nonsense mixed in there. So let's let's kind of start at the beginning because. Um, so I was,
1: I was going to say I, I I might need to get a few tips from from Gary at some point. Uh, one of my plans here uh, before I leave the UK, there's this uh, there's this trail that was designed to connect uh, six pubs around the local hills here. It's about forty eight miles long, and so sometime before I leave, I, I plan on doing that as an actual literal pub crawl, uh, doing doing the forty eight mile run getting all of my sustenance from the pubs along the way, drinking a pie, pint at each one. Um, it, it, it'll be a good time, good company, good, good send off uh, to, to the UK to, to whenever my time here ends. The key is definitely being able to burp, John. You have to be able to <laughs> gas and make room for more or
0: otherwise you, you can either burp or vomit. Those are your two options.
1: I am I'm pretty pretty talented at both of those. So you know, it's uh it's, it's one one of my uh more dubious uh skills, I, I think. I, I've uh, definitely been known to to lose it uh, at a few few races, uh, some of the hard runs that I've done.
0: Nice. Because some of our listeners may not know you too well. Um because like I said, we're we're mostly an obstacle course racing focus, but um you know, obstacle course racing is a new sport, but fitness is old, so we pull in athletes from other sports to steal their lessons learned because they've already solved the problems that we're looking for. So let's start off with, you know, how did you get into running and then more specifically like fall down this slippery slope of like some of the arguably stupidest slash hardest marathons and races like ever?
1: So I I, I ran cross country and track in high school. Um, And after that, I, I essentially took a solid decade off um in, in college and grad school and kind of went the intramural sports circuit with with softball and flag football and uh, at the end of all of that i decided i wanted to see what i could do in a marathon um i'd, I'd always felt that i did better the longer things got um so it kind of seemed like the, the natural thing for me to try, uh, while I, I could still do it. So I, I signed up for one, uh, I had, had never raced longer than a 10 K, but just kind of went for it and it, it didn't go very well. <laughs> um, so I said, you know, I think I can do better at that. And so I, I did a bit better and then I did another one and did a bit better again and things kind of kept progressing and I, Then I said, "Okay, well, what if I add in biking and swimming or what if I go longer and go on the trails and just kind of kept exploring and and gradually expanding the scope of of what I was doing and what I was challenging myself with Um, and uh, found that I was uh, I was enjoying those adventures and uh, was was doing uh, a fairly good job at them as, as well.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's an understatement. <laughs> so what I, what I do like about your again I w- I would check out his results page on his randomforestrunner.com because it is interesting to see like um your you have marathon 2013 and then another one in 14 and another one later in 14 you can see like these huge chunks of time being taken away every time you you run again. And then starting in 2015, you started doing uh Barclays marathons. So I I know our audience loves to talk about Barclays. Um, so how did you, like, why did you first decide to do that? And then how did that first one go? Uh,
1: so I've, I've got quite the, the personal connection to Barclays and actually grew up right next to the course. Uh, my family's lived on farmland there uh, for 200 years out in the middle of nowhere next to uh, Frozen Head State Park where the race takes place. Um, And so I I had that deep personal connection uh, to the land and to the race and and really wanted to get out there and and prove myself on on my home turf Uh, and in in front of, you know, my my own local community who, for the most part, uh, doesn't know much about ultra running. Um, (laughs) You know, most people don't, so... Uh, it was it was a great opportunity uh, and so went out there that first year in two thousand and fifteen uh, and and got a fun run which is is three of the five loops before I was kind of done in by stomach issues and and poor food selection. I was still pretty new to uh, ultra running at that point at myself and kind of thought oh, I'll just have sports bars and jails the entire time um, and you know after thirty plus hours of nothing but uh engineered sugar products uh your stomach kind of says nope
0: mm-hmm. um
1: no thank you returned the following year i managed to get four loops and and start my fifth and final loop before kind of you know falling asleep uh on the side of the trail there and, and uh returned the following year and my third attempt in 2017 uh, still to this point, uh, the the most recent finish of the race. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll see that change next year.
0: Yeah, so I I remember I was getting ready for a 24-hour uh, OCR that weekend, I believe, in uh, the year you finished. And I remember I remember being excited and like seeing the results when that went off. Actually, I know what that is. That was terrain relay 24-hour. That's that's that that's what that weekend was. So. I remember uh, being super excited at the results from that, and uh, one, being excited that anyone finished, and then two, um, you were or still are sponsored by Hammer Nutrition. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I, I was at the time. Uh, they still have still have a great relationship with them and, and still use a lot of their products, uh, but as I've kind of gone into the, the multi-day adventure route, I've, I've had to place a large focus on uh, real food Uh along the way as well where I'm I'm shoving peats and everything else in my mouth. So it that's that's not uh my my sole uh fueling focus uh, anymore at this point. But but yeah, I've had a, a long relationship with them uh and, and big believer in, in their their products.
0: Yeah, so I, I I'm still sponsored by Hammer and I was I have been since twenty fifteen and I remember being like, Oh, that's super cool that like another hammer nutrition athlete finished Barclays. And I was, uh, I was really excited for that. So uh, just something cool to cool to hear. And I, you mentioned it briefly, but talk about, you know, as you transition from marathon to, you know, mu- these multi-day events, you know, what is, what does your nutrition look like as you know, like over the distant different distances? And when do you start using um, real foods or do you use real foods the whole time or, you know, what does that what does that look like
1: yeah so it's it, it, it's quite different um, over those distances and and it, you're you're dealing with with meal replacement at that point uh, where you're going for multiple days at a time and you need some some real food you need something with a, a bit of protein to it um, it supports nutrition products at that point so I've found it's, it's extremely important to have uh, a, a large variety available uh, things that have worked for you in the past, but still a number of reasons, because you never know uh, at the end of these, or what your body is suddenly going to start despising. And in general, your body is also very good at craving what it's deficient of. So if, if if it needs more salt uh, if it needs something uh savory with, with with a bit of protein it's it's very good at, at, at giving you those signals uh, if if you're willing and, and able to listen uh, so that that's again uh just just diversity um, something salt something something sweet something savory uh, available at all times
0: so, so personally, what do you personally like eat during a multi day event like what are some of the typical uh food types that you're consuming
1: so i I do have an actual spreadsheet of of u.s and uk foods uh that you know have have the calorie numbers and everything on them that has uh, a pretty uh, big selection of of kind of uh, pre-packaged foods also homemade treats um the you know flapjacks and and cookies and, and whatnot. But my my big go-to uh, always has been for something that's kind of hearty and, and filling has, has always been pizza. Uh, and it's it's one of those things that I, I probably have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to thank in, in those video games. I feel like every time I walk by a pizza and just kind of tag it and, and get get a power up <laughs> get going back there.
0: Nice, nice. The distances you've covered have been you know, some insane distances, you know, what is a, what is a normal training week kind of look like for you uh, when getting ready for a major race?
1: Uh, so it's, it's not as crazy as, as you might expect. Uh, so I've been working with, with David Roach uh, as my coach for a couple of years now, uh, who's, who's a big believer in recovery and giving your body the ability to adapt properly uh, to the, the big stimuli that are in the training schedule. But uh, I I usually don't go over about 70 miles a week, which you know that's that's pretty typical for most people doing marathons. Um, and you know that there, there are some ultra runners out there that are doing 120 to 140 miles a week. I I might have one one or two big weeks of 100 miles uh, a, a few weeks out from an event, but but generally it's. It's about seventy miles a week, and, and that's that's also uh, when we're talking about time spent. Much less time spent than when I was doing Ironmans, and I was uh, you know training, run, bike, and swim uh, all all at once.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I was expecting a little more volume. That's that's interesting. But yeah, if you show up, you know, well trained and healthy, that'll that'll make a pretty big difference. And you, I mean, if based off from what I know about you and your your background, I mean, obviously, you've You've been running for a long time, so you have a lot of of that base uh, already built into your body.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely a big part of it. Uh, having that that huge foundation uh, of aerobic fitness is is something that you you build up over many years, uh, and that, that really sticks with you. It's it's much slower and harder to lose that. Uh, so on top of that foundation, uh, it's it's easy to to build uh, a lot more speed and and higher intensity things to kind of uh, sharpen the the top of that pyramid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I I noticed, obviously, you've done a lot in the ultra running sport um, and then triathlon too. You know, what's kind of, you know, looking out towards the future? Do you have any sort of big goals? Because it seems like, you know, ultra running, really the limit is your imagination because people – I mean, besides doing a, like a bunch of the big races, people can create their own events and go for FKTs. And I know you just hit a pretty major FKT that I wanted to talk about. But, you know, you know what, what does the future look like and any kind of major goals or um, is some of that still under wraps for later?
1: Yeah, and, and that is one thing I, I love about ultra running is the ability to, to, to be creative, to, to put your own challenges together that really align with your passions and, and motivate you uh, and, and that you, you truly enjoy. Uh, so I've, I've done a few of those, uh, I've, as well as a, a few kind of more traditional FKTs and that they were on routes that were already established. Uh, but I, I do also uh, still enjoy races as well in that direct head-to-head competitive element. It's just uh, been a while now since, since I've done one, and, and likely the, the next one that I'll be at uh will hopefully be Tour de giant this year uh it's a, a 200 mile 205 mile race uh around the, the aosta valley uh in the italian alps and so uh last time i was there i i you know it's one of those things where i i don't feel i did as well as i could have typically with these things you're you're not going to do as well as you can the first time so looking to, to take some of those lessons learned and uh, come away with a better performance this time
0: gotcha and let's let's talk about that fkt you recently accomplished so um did you share the with the audience what it was and you know how long and how how far it was and etc uh
1: t- traditional one I, I actually just had this past week i, I went back to the Penine- way uh and and got my record back on that uh, so you kind of mentioned at the outset that i i broke a 31 year old record on it last year damien hall uh broke my record uh just a week later so i, I went back uh last week and and got that back uh lowered the time uh, again pretty pretty fun outing but but then the the other one that i put together last year the grand round is is one of those things that that again just gave me a a lot of room to be creative a a lot of room to to put together something that uh, I was was passionate about uh, cycling Uh, I I never enjoyed the swimming element of of triathlon very much Uh, so the grand round is uh, I I took the UK's big three uh, fell running rounds uh, the Patty Buckley Round in Wales, the Bob Graham Round in the Lake District uh, in, in England, and the Charlie Ramsey Round in uh, Scotland. And so, each of these are are roughly a hundred k running, about twenty-four thousand or, or so feet of elevation gain, and they are each viewed as challenges that that people try to do within 24 hours. And so my goal was to uh, put all of them together uh, and ride my bike in between them. And so this this added about 400 miles of, of cycling. And Ooh. so my, my goal was to do each of those bike legs as, as well in 24 hours. And, and so altogether, uh, this, this came out to be about 400 miles of cycling, um, ab- about uh, 185 miles of running with uh, 70-something thousand feet of elevation gain, and uh, altogether, I ended up completing this. I actually fell a bit short of my goal uh, on the final round, the Charlie Ramsey round in Scotland, uh, which is just gorgeous country, um, but remote and, and wild. And uh, we, we got slammed with a named windstorm uh, during during that run, and it just it broke me. Um, I was kind of already at the edge, and once that hit, uh, I, it, it just it, it crushed me, and so my my pace instantly fell off a cliff, um, and and I went from slightly ahead of schedule, uh, six hours into the round, to needing thirty four hours to to finish it, and so uh, all in all, I, I finished this adventure in, in one hundred and thirty hours and forty three minutes, uh, and it's it's still the the only self-propelled uh, connection uh, of these uh, three big UK fell running rounds
0: that's insane I mean that's just such a massive effort on so many levels uh, just very impressive you know I'm, I'm looking at again still look at us I'm scrolling back and through th- through your results there and you've done stuff I mean that I think is the longest or at least one of the longest ones right 130 hours is a uh, a long I mean that's a how many days is that?
1: That's yeah, a, it's a bit, a bit over five days. Five yeah, I mean,
0: that's a week. That's, that's a full week of work there. You know, when, you, when you're going from something from a marathon to a 24-hour race to some, some of these multi-day stuff, uh, is there any, like, major differences in mindset or is it just kind of more of the same of you just kind of getting in your zone and kind of cruising? Because I know, like, personally, most of the OCRs kind of stop at 24 hours is the limit. Um, And then for uh, I've created some self, essentially kind of like FKT type stuff, but for OCR, uh, essentially they're charity self-created events that have gone out to like 48 um, hours. But you know, when you're going from you know a couple hours to 24 hours to multi-day, kind of just kind of take me through some of your mindset there, and if it it differs.
1: Yeah, once you kind of go past that 48-hour threshold, it's it's really a a whole new world uh in in terms of of dealing with the sleep deprivation and and the different things uh, that that you have to adapt to and and learn uh, and and understand how your own body responds to those situations as far as execution goes just in moment to moment uh it is quite similar because on on any of these things you you do the planning up front uh, of course and and you lay all that out you lay out what your your pace needs to be what times you need to hit when you might need to sleep what you need to eat uh navigation all of these things you plan out ahead of time but then once you actually start executing that plan it's it's one piece at a time uh it's it's always focusing on the next milestone the the next hill the, the next support point, the, the next step, uh, just one small digestible chunk at a time, because if you get out there and you start to think about the entirety of, of what you're doing, it's it's just, it, it's overwhelming. Um, and and even even if you're experienced, uh, it, it seems just like an insurmountable t- task in front of you. So break it into manageable chunks, uh, keep moving forward and, and eventually, uh, you, you keep following that plan and and you'll get to the finish.
0: Totally. I can totally relate to all those things you said, you know, just on a, obviously a different sc- scaled level there um, for some of my races. But, you know, one of the things our you know, athletes love to talk about is, you know, gear, you know, you know, what shoes you're wearing, what clothes you're wearing, um, stuff like that. So, you know, what's kind of your, been your kind of go-to shoes for some of these ultras uh the last couple of years and uh clothing choices
1: uh so i've, I've been working with with Glassportiva uh for a number of years now and they, they focus on mountain running which is what i focus on as as well and uh my main go-to shoes for for them over the years has, has been the akasha uh for for kind of general purpose uh long distance events that aren't too technical. Uh, and then for highly technical terrain, uh, the, the mutants. And so the mutants are, are what I mostly use at Barkley, for example, where it's, it's very steep, um, lots, lots of up and down. Um, but just in the past year, they've, they've come out with uh, the, the Jackal, which has replaced the Akasha for me. And they've now just come out with uh, the cyclone, which is going to replace the mutant for me. It's it's essentially a mutant with a, a boa fit adapter on it, mm. um, like what you might have on, on cycling shoes. And so I, I'm a huge fan of that. And it lets me kind of dial things in and adjust it as my feet swell or deal with other issues, add multiple layers of socks. Um, speaking of which you mentioned exoskin at the outset so i've I've been working with them for a while now as well and that has just been uh, a huge uh advantage for for me here with uh the the bogs and the mud and the wet terrain there's just anything you do here you're going to end up with wet feet and so when i did the penine way last week I, i had wet feet the entire time, uh, 58 hours. I I never once changed socks. Uh, I had a a pair of EXO toe socks on and a pair of normal EXO skin socks over those. I wore those the entire time. They were wet the whole time. Uh, No blisters, no chaffage. Um, Also wore one of their their tops and some of the new uh, EXO underwear that that you mentioned. And again, uh, no, wet pretty much the, the whole time with with no issues for for 58 hours
0: yeah that's uh good good tips there especially since um in our sport in obstacle course racing i mean we we're wet pretty much the entire time because i mean you'll go into a water obstacle you know probably every mile at least um if not more and uh for the ultra for the ultra races right i mean you're like that for five twelve twenty four hours at a time so um you know, I think that says a lot that you're you're wearing some of these products for, you know, 48 to multiple and 48 hours and beyond, you know, multiple day type stuff. Because, you know, people ask me, they're like, well, when do you change your socks during and like an ultra OCR? And I was like, I, I don't. It's only 24 hours. Like, my feet will be fine. Like, if, if I've conditioned yep. my feet through training and, uh, you know, training for years, stuff like that, like, they can hold up for 24 hours, even if they're muddy and wet. So. Yep, you've covered a lot of distances. What's would you say is either your favorite or your strongest distance, or you know maybe both? You know, what's your um, if it's a different answer?
1: <sighs> um, so, so again, the, the longer things are uh, and the steeper things are, the generally the the better I do, uh, relatively speaking. So, I I think that my sweet spot is kind of around uh, that that sixty hour mark. I've I've done a, a few. 200 milers about that distance. Uh, just the, the Penine Way was 58 hours. Barclays about 60 hours. Uh, and and so that's that's right. It's right at that threshold where you really start to have to deal with sleep deprivation, um, but you can deal with it in a, in a more tactical way of, of getting power naps here and there where, where you need them uh, rather than uh, for, for longer events, typically, you, you need some, some longer sleeps. Like when I did Tour de Giant it's one issue that I, I ran into is I didn't get enough sleep, um, and it, it, it goes uh, a good deal farther, uh, and, and you can't manage that just on power naps. And it, also just relative to life, um, about 60-hour events, that's, uh, that's generally the, the most that I can push push pause on life and, and with my, my job and, and with my family and everything else. So that's uh, a, a good distance that gets me out there. Uh, it really allows me to challenge myself, uh, use my skills, uh, but without being uh, overly disruptive.
0: I love it. I, I love asking questions like that and getting an answer like that because it, it just shows you how things scale uh, to different people. You know, because I'll talk to someone and I'll be like, you know, like I consider my strongest point like the, right around the twelve-hour mark, and people are like, oh, 12 twelve hours—that's so long. I'm like, yeah, it's not that long. Uh, but then, like, I talk to someone like you, and you're like, yeah, it's like sixty hours is like my sweet spot, and just like, you know, it, it's just funny seeing how that uh, that the, like that where you consider your sweet spot and where, where you, what you consider is normal for like a human being uh, to be able to run or operate is, uh, yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's all, all very relative. Uh, you know, it wasn't all that long ago that I, I viewed a marathon and a 35 mile week is, is, as, as up there. Um, so, you know, it is snowballs for sure. Uh, and you know, for, for me, my kind of Holy grail, uh, FKT that I would go after would, would be the Appalachian trail. But you know, th- there again, that's, that's 42 days and uh you know it's it's hard to push pause on life for for 42 days
0: yeah i mean you need a job that or you need to quit your job essentially Um, yeah yep what do you what do you do for work now
1: uh so i'm i'm a co-founder of a startup why i moved over here to the uk for a bit to to build out the team for that so i'm i'm the tech co-founder and and i Mainly do data science and artificial intelligence and and that sort of thing um, to uh, assess cyber risk for for companies so essentially oh, what what how much they're likely to lose uh, do due, due to cyber attacks on any given
0: year interesting all right so it sounds like I mean the startup probably you're probably super busy, but the the fact that you're at the founding level you might have some more flexibility maybe.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's, it's, it's to me a bit like going back to grad school where you, there are rarely times that I, I have to be working. So I, I have a good deal of flexibility in, in setting my own schedule, but there's also rarely times that I feel that I don't feel that I should be working. Uh, and, and so it, it's almost kind of doing these things where I'm, I'm out there and out there in the wilderness for days at a time. It, it's kind of a forced uh, disconnect for me as well.
0: Gotcha. I've, also, if if people are wondering where Gary is, uh, we have lost him on the podcast. He's got no reception and the Wi-Fi isn't strong enough. He is actually out at the Infinitus uh, 888K uh, this week. Oh wow! So he he's not doing the 888K, but he is doing he's doing the hundred miler. As he said, he's like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put the tip in, see how it feels. I'm pretty sure he'll, that's his test run for the 888K either next year or maybe you know. A couple of years down the line so any uh you have any interest in doing that one Is that, uh, that
1: that's that's again one where it, you know it uh it, it 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 takes a while um to to find the time to to be able to do something like that and and yeah it's it's interesting and appealing but there are just there's so many things uh out there that yeah uh, I, I would love to do and and it, I, I kind of fell into that trap when I first moved to the UK and had all of these new European races at my doorstep. I was like, oh, I want to do that one and that one and that one. And and I did a bit too much uh, and I I didn't perform well uh, as a result. And so uh, I want to for sure uh, experience these these different races and and these different uh, landscapes. But at the same time, uh, I want to do it well. Uh, and and i want to not sacrifice uh quality in the sake of quantity
0: yeah, absolutely i know in the in the obstacle course racing world you know we've especially with social media we fall into the trap of like you always have to be like out there and racing and there's like sometimes sometimes brands will stack big races like you know like two weeks apart when it's it's just really not good for training and performing um what is your personal like if you do a hundred miler or a 200-miler, like how long do you want to wait? Um, and obviously they're all different, right, based off elevation and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, how long do you want to wait before your next kind of major effort? So, like, how often are you doing an A race per se?
1: Uh, so it's, it is it is going to vary a good bit. Last year I had the Penine Way and the Grand Round just four weeks apart, but that was dictated by the fact that I couldn't do the Penine Way until COVID restrictions in the U.K. allowed for it and I had to do the grand round uh, before we uh, kind of got into the danger zone of my wife going into labor uh, (laughs) with with our our child. So I I had a a short window there, and I crammed them both in and and took a big long rest afterwards. Uh, This year, I've I've got a few big plans uh, that are are spaced around uh, eight weeks apart, but then again uh, with uh, probably a, a nice big rest after those so uh it's you know i, I would say in a perfect world uh, i'd i'd put 12 plus weeks uh in between each one uh but if i do stack two or three of them together it's it's just key to to at some point get a good recovery window because there's going to be kind of a a residual effect uh that's that's going to, to build up and, and not clear out, uh, the, the more those get stacked on top of each other.
0: Gotcha. You know, one of the things I think is about interesting about ultra running is again, these, there's really no, there's no limits, right? Cause if there's space you can run. So I think I kind of asked this already, but you know, any kind of big, uh, big goals you have for the next couple of years that you're willing to share at this point, or, um, are we still keeping those under wraps.
1: Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I generally try not to, to plan much more than, than a year in advance. Is, I mean, for one thing, I, I'd love to do race, races like hard rock, and so I'm, I'm dependent on the lottery uh, to get into that, the, the same as everyone else. And so that's kind of one that you, you do the year your number's called. And uh, outside of that, uh, again, I've got Tour de Jean, uh this this year and also looking at a, a big challenge here in the UK called the Wainwrights. Uh, that is uh, links 214 summits in the Lake District. Um, it's, it's about 318 miles, uh, 118,000 feet of elevation gain. Uh, the current record is uh, six days, six hours. Uh, so I'll, I'll be quite interested in, in taking that on. But again, it's, it's a matter of, of what I can fit into the schedule, uh, making sure that, you know, at, at some point in time, uh, if COVID restrictions come back, then I've, I've got to have some ad- adaptability and, and flexibility there. Uh, but a- as you mentioned, there's, there's no shortage of, of things to do. I, I have a, a document of just a list of things that would be great to do that could could last me multiple lifetimes yeah um so as as each year comes we'll we'll see what fits in in, into the schedule and and what makes sense
0: yeah i always wonder like when i when i look at some of ultra runners like you or like um you know growing up it was uh dean carnazes you know kind of watching them like you know what's the end state you know when do you when do you say you, you know you've had enough or Done all you need to is just you know kind of when you stop enjoying yourself or, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think that for me, you know, I'll, I'll reach the point where, at, at some point, uh, I hope not for a while, where I'll, I'll inevitably start to uh, decline with with age and and no longer be uh, kind of competing near the top of these things. You, you can certainly be pretty competitive and and ultras well into your your fifties yeah Uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna lose your edge you're not gonna be going to win major races at that point in time but you can still be pretty competitive um but at that point you know my my focus will shift a a bit more to to doing things uh that that i enjoy um doing things that um just allow me to explore and experience new areas and and new people uh and You know, we'll, we'll see where my life is in in terms of, uh, how much time I have to train and, and do other things because, you know, my, as we discussed earlier, my training loads, not all that high. So that's something that I, I see myself being able to maintain, uh, for Mm. quite a while, uh, especially if, uh, you know, I get to a point in life where I'm, I'm not quite as busy with work and everything
0: else. Gotcha. Now I mentioned in your bio you have the Guinness World Record for fastest marathon dressed as a video game character. As a as a nerd, I need to ask what video game character you dressed as.
1: <laughs> it, it it was Link uh, from the Oh, Zelda good
0: choice, good choice. I approve the Legend. Yeah, Zelda the original Legend of Zelda for Nintendo is, I think, the best video game possibly ever. <laughs> so. Uh,
1: yeah, it's it's solid, and I uh, I grew up playing all of those, and. Uh, that was a year where I had the Barkley marathons and then two weeks later I had the Boston marathon. And Damn. so I, I knew, you know, I, I'm not going to set a PR here. There's, there's no way. Um, what can I do that would still be fun, <laughs> but also kind of give me a goal to shoot for. And, and so I, I went with that dressed up like, uh, like link unfortunately um so so the boston marathons point to point and so some years you, you kind of have a headwind some years you have a tailwind uh that was unfortunately a, a headwind year and, and that tunic was was like a parachute <laughs> um so
0: you have it, the master, was you have the master sword it, too and a shield or no, I, no?
1: I i had these little plush uh sword and shields okay. that will uh, a, a sword and shield that, that my sister-in-law made for me specifically to uh meet the, the Boston marathon restrictions because this yeah. this was just a, a couple of years after the bombing and, and so you know they were pretty tight on on what you could actually bring onto the course and, and what you could carry with you. Um so it was more kind of the 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 Hillian shield and the master dagger. Maybe. <laughs> um but but yeah, I I, I had those and, and carried them the whole way.
0: Nice. Now let's say there's a let's say so there's a runner who's maybe doing fifty milers or maybe even a hundred milers and is looking to go beyond, you know, like either doing a two hundred miler or maybe uh creating their own charity event or doing some sort of FKT. Do you have any kind of like, you know, maybe one or two key pieces of advice uh that you would give to someone? Who's kind of in that position
1: yeah well well a put yourself in the mindset and and even it, it, simple things in everyday life uh put yourself in situations where you're likely to fail uh see see how you respond to that uh practice pushing through that uh practice pushing through those low moments uh and and that's one of the biggest things for me uh as you get to these super long events is You know, at more reasonable distances, uh, at marathons and and shorter, Um, I often say the half marathon is the longest reasonable distance for anyone to run. Uh, And at races like that, you start off and pretty much the entirety of of the race, your level of fatigue is increasing. And you're trying to time it to where you hit the finish line right as you're fatigue tops out and, and you have nothing left. Uh, and, and so it's just this constant gradual decline. Whereas you get to these longer events and you have a decline and, and it seems like you're done and there's nothing left and there's no way you can move forward. And, and then boom, you, you, you break through it and you, you have another high and, and there are all of these uh, peaks and valleys uh, th- throughout. Uh, and, and so it was something I was told when I started out was uh, it doesn't always get worse, and so that's important to remember uh, mm. that you're gonna hit low points, um, but but that doesn't mean it's going to keep getting worse. Uh, you you can you can push through those, you can get to the other side, uh, and and it's it's pretty awesome uh, when you do, and, and very rewarding.
0: I like that. That's really good. And, you know, you, you mentioned it a little bit just now, but, you know, I'm looking at, again, looking at, still scrolling through your bio here, um, you have a bunch of DNFs actually mixed in there, you know, so what's your, um, you know, what advice would you give to someone who, you know, maybe recently DNF'd, you know, and how do you kind of bounce back from that?
1: Uh, learn from it. Uh, and, and you know, I've, I've always kind of jumped in the deep end with, uh, signed up for that first marathon when I hadn't raced longer than 10k i the first triathlon i signed up for was an iron man um, I, I did barkley quite early on and and my ultra career and and so uh to me there's there's no better preparation if you have an a goal and it's a specific event or a specific race there's there's no better preparation for succeeding at that than trying and failing Mm. The, the, the first time, you, you know, you could go do a shorter, smaller race and succeed and that would help, but it wouldn't help as much as just going for it and, and failing. Mm. Uh, of course, within the bounds of, of safety, um, don't do something that you're, you're not physically uh, prepared for or, or you're not experienced in terms of survival situations. Definitely don't do that give yourself big goals and, and don't be afraid of failing. And and oftentimes that, that failure is the, the shortest route to success.
0: That's a good one. I like it. You know, as someone who's who's done a lot of these l- super long races, how do you differentiate between like, I'm going to DNF because I like, I now I'm at serious risk or I, I you know, I'm, I've, I've come in seriously unprepared versus like You know, maybe I'm just feeling a little bit off, and I'm I'm in a low moment, like that you were talking about. You know, how do you how do you kind of uh, tell those apart if you can?
1: So so that that definitely comes with experience, Um, and and it it also comes with with asking yourself. uh, I I mean, uh, honestly, what what's what's worth it when you're out there? And and sometimes you you know, are, are you still learning? Are you still having fun? Are you still in pursuit of a big goal that will be rewarding? uh when you reach the finish line or are you just miserable and, and the the finish no longer carries any meaning for you and, and you're not having fun and, and sometimes that happens and and you know at, at that point uh i've i've called it before um where you know that happened to me and when i returned to barclay and, and i was in the lead uh of the race and i i was kind of cursed with the knowledge of what the uh, last two loops would require of me, and I knew that I I didn't have it on that day, mm-hmm. and and so I I cut my losses and so that I could prepare for the the next big thing, um, and and got much more out of that than putting myself in a big hole that would have taken a while to, to dig out of.
0: Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, good. Another good answer. Yeah, love. I'm loving picking your brain here. A lot a lot of good uh, material here. I want to be respectful of your time and start start wrap things up Uh, before we get to that, though, you know, like I said at the beginning, we try to pull lessons learned from other sports and apply them to obstacle course racing. You know, so what kind of lessons uh, can we pull from ultra running that can apply to obstacle course racing, Um, whether it be just, you know, kind of in pursuit of goals or something more sports, sports specific uh, related to like endurance performance. Um, Just kind of open it up to you
1: i'd say to always remember uh why you're doing this thing in the first place you know and i think this applies to you know i i do a lot of the the big challenges and big adventures i do because it allows me to explore my strengths and weaknesses it allows me to to push my limits it allows me to overall uh become a a better person in, in all areas of life not just running but i i choose to do those big challenges and big goals uh, in ultra running because it's something that I enjoyed in the first place. I enjoy running, I enjoy trails, I enjoy the mountains. Uh, and so it's, it's a way of setting these big goals in, in an area that, that I enjoy. And so if, if you're doing OCR, I, I feel it's it's the same thing. Set those big challenges and, and set those big goals, but remember, you you wanted to do that as as part of ocr because you you enjoy it and it's an activity you enjoy and the entire time you're out there uh you you should uh be be taking that in and be remembering that um you know it, it's an experience that you get to do and, and that you chose to do
0: good stuff there now before we let you go you know tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you and again it could be Fitness-related, or we usually prefer not fitness-related. The more random, the better. But, uh,
1: I, I can't whistle. I can't roll my R's, and I can't get brain freezes. That last one is kind of my superpower. That's in- – You know, you, any ice cream eating contest, I, I will uh, – yeah, I, I will crush crush that.
0: That's interesting. I, <laughs> I, so I can't whistle either. I used to be able to whistle when I was younger, and now I, I somehow lost it. So um, – I can roll my R's and I can definitely get brain freezes and they're terrible. So you're, you're really not missing out on anything there. So.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things I, I figure, you know, I should experience it once just to know what everyone's talking about. But, um, I, I've tried, I've you know, I've downed Wendy's frosties, those, those big <laughs> route 44 slushies at Sonic just as fast as you can and, and, and nothing got nothing. All
0: right. All right. Interesting. Interesting. You know, final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, any, uh, any other brands we need to plug that have been supporting you, et cetera?
1: Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you, you mentioned family there. And, and for me, that's, that's another key thing uh, to, to remember going out and doing these, these long events and, and the training associated with it um, is, is just uh, having the, the family involved uh, and, and a part of that. Uh, is, is huge. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to to have uh, a, a supportive uh, wife and, and kids and, and doing these things and uh, hope that I, I can pass on some of these passions
0: uh, to my kids uh, through this. Nice. Good stuff. And uh, for our listeners, again, you can head over to teamstrengthspeed.com to our website. Uh, we just have a new order of bligments coming in. Those are the neoprene mittens that Uh, people have been using for obstacle course racing. So we've got the extremes in the three millimeter ones and small, medium and large, and the uh, lights should be, we have mediums and small and large be in any day now. So for anyone's interested in that, you can head over to our online store. And then my books on obstacle course racing are all available over at teamstrengthspeed.com. I just redesigned part of the website uh, to highlight some of the work uh, me and Bobby Ross have been doing for our uh, upcoming documentary. And if anyone's interested in reading more about if any of our, Ultra runner listeners are interested in more about ultra OCR. So I have a book, two books on there that would be interesting for you. So one is the Mud Run Guide Ultra OCR Bible. So that's more of a training book, um, taking you from distances five to 24 hours in length, and some training plans and tips and techniques and stuff like that. And then if you're more interested in a narrative, personal story, uh, my biography is up there. Ultra OCR Man, uh, from Special Force soldier to record-setting professional obstacle course racer. Uh, again, available in digital, hard copy, and audiobook off Audible. So. Again, all those links over at TeamStrengthSpeed.com. John, thanks again for joining us. Uh, really enjoyed this. Just, just a ton of good information in there, and I'm, I hope our hope our listeners really take a lot of this to heart and uh, apply it to their own training and racing. So, thanks again.
1: Thanks very much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation.
0: All right, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you later, and uh, keep crushing it. And uh, looking forward to following you and seeing what else you have coming the rest of the year and uh, over the next couple of years. Thanks very much. Bye. Talk